Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Marilyn's Diary, A Long Journey Home, Episode 1. Hello, Diary. It's me, Marilyn. Um, sorry it's been a while, but... Things haven't exactly gone to plan. You can say that again. Why would I? No, um, it's a human saying. Oh, it seems pretty pointless to me. Why wouldn't you just ask someone to repeat themselves? Well, that's, uh, it's not what it means. Uh, It's referring to how, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, You were saying about how things haven't gone to plan. So, things haven't exactly gone to plan. There, (laughs) I said it again. Yes, you did. It turns out that getting home is going to be a little bit harder than I expected. We were all ready to go. We'd said goodbye to Haroldson and Dad, and we'd set off into the deep, dark night. We'd plotted our course, and it was all going really well. (laughs) We were set to take... How long were we originally set to take? One week. Okay. And how long do you think it'll take us now? I'm not really sure. Uh, We're somewhere in deep space, and, well, there's not a lot out here to base coordinates off. My processing power isn't quite what it was when I was a ship. It's going to take me a while to plot our course. So, it's going to take us a little while longer to get home. And so I thought I'd start up my diary again and keep track of our travels. So, I guess the first thing I should talk about is the way we ended up here, rather than Gontano. Uh, we'd set our course. Everything was going well. But then, out of nowhere, this big, blocky ship appeared. We got caught up in its slipstream and pulled along in completely the wrong direction, and I was... scared. Being scared is a very human thing. I think in that moment I was more human than Gontanin. Unless I was more cow. I don't really know how cows react under pressure. We tried hailing them, and even tried to bump against them to trigger an alarm. They just didn't notice us. Or they were ignoring us. They pulled us along for three days, going further and further away from Gontano. And then, on the fourth day, we finally felt ourselves leaving their slipstream, which was really great initially, but... Um, it turned out it wasn't for a good reason. Rather than just falling out of the slipstream of that one ship, we'd been pulled from it by something much larger, something much more terrifying. We were skimming right around the edge of a wormhole. We didn't see it at first. 
Wormholes aren't naturally detected by navigational gear due to the gravitational pull they exert. They do not just exert this force on items. They stretch a hole in matter itself. There was a kind of beauty to it. The way that the sky was stretched and torn around it. The way that even the light from the stars seemed caught in its grasp. The blackish-purple nothingness of its depths as everything was sucked in. Even the darkness was skewed. And then, as it got closer, as we were pulled inside, things felt strange. Time felt long and short and tall, somehow, like we were looking up at it. Computer, how long were we inside the wormhole? Approximately 15 seconds. Oh, it felt somewhere between that and a week. I was frozen to the spot, waiting for the time to pass and unable to do anything. But also, everything was moving slowly and quickly, and... Oh, then we were through. And now... Now we don't know where we are! <laughs> I've been picking up signals, but they're... strange. I'm hoping I can triangulate them, but... Ah. What is it? Well, the good news is, I've worked out roughly where we are. And the bad news? I'm guessing there's bad news. There is. Our short journey has just become rather a lot longer. I've just received a navigational ping. How much longer? Six months. Six months?! Yes. The one clear signal source I've found puts us... well... rather far out in uncharted space. I'm going to have to think about this. It's me, Sponsorbot. Thanks for letting me talk to you. I love you. Anyway, on with the message. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Rate, review, subscribe, consume. Write a review for We Fix Space Junk now. Thank you for letting me speak to you. Bye. Hello, diary. It's me. I'm back. It's been a little while, and. Now, things are looking a little more hopeful. They're not fixed. We're still stranded far from Gontano, but things are looking up. Or at least they're looking less down. So, the first thing we did was start looking at the source of that ping. It was the only one we were receiving, so it was easy to follow. If there had been more than one, it would have been more complicated. We set off in the direction of the ping, hoping that we'd reach it before we ran out of fuel. 
The source was a gigantic space station orbiting a giant star. It was the size of a small planet, and it looked as though it had been beautiful once. But now, everything was silent and dark, besides the one solitary signal all pinging out into the unknown. We came closer, and we were surprised to receive an invitation to land. It wasn't exactly an invitation, but the docking bay opened and it was lit up inside. No sign of life, though. Seeing as we were running low on fuel and food, we went inside. The hangar bay was vast. Once, it must have been full of giant crafts, a bustling spaceport. Our little ship was dwarfed by it. We found a space and parked. Once the bay doors had opened and the hangar was repressurized, the atmosphere was surprisingly breathable. We left the ship and walked out into the space station, not sure of what we'd find. And what we found was not what I was expecting. As we walked down the endless flights of stairs, it got warmer, more humid. I was scared, not sure what we'd find. I was more focused on the stairs. They are surprisingly difficult when you're new to, well, legs. And there was something else, something rising as we moved further and further along. The smell of earth, of greenery, and a sound I didn't recognize at all. A kind of babbling, I guess you'd call it. And then we reached the shutter. A single door in an expanse of concrete corridor. It was small, ordinary enough. Gray paint falling from it in flakes beneath my fingers. It was warm to the touch, damp with condensation. I paused a moment, then hauled it up. The weight of it took my breath away. And then, what we saw on the other side. Trees. Hundreds, thousands of trees, lush, thick foliage, and creatures. So many creatures. Things I'd never seen before. Gliders with sets of multicolored wings, weird bugs with luminescent, semi-transparent shells, and hundreds of eyes. Trees whose branches connected and intertwined with one another. Vines that climbed from the floor right up to the ceiling high above us. The whole station seemed abandoned. But there were signs of life, intelligent life, I mean. Notches carved into trees, a path that wouldn't have formed on its own. Someone else was here. The path widened out as we followed it, and eventually it opened up into a kind of camp. Trees had been roughly cut, almost torn, and formed into a shelter. I couldn't help but wonder what they needed to protect themselves from. That is quite a human thing. To limit the size of the space you're in to feel like you have greater control over it. Have you noticed how you crave something covering you when you sleep, even if you are the perfect ambient temperature already? How strange. I'd never thought of it that way before. I coughed. <clears throat> Nobody stirred. I coughed. Again. <clears throat> Eventually, I gently called out a greeting. Hello, my name is Marilyn, and I'm here with my buddy computer. We're looking for food and, and the occupant shuffled out to meet us. He was a small, shabby man with a scrubby beard and thick glasses. 
after he got over his shock. As it turned out, he hadn't seen another sentient being in some time, and I'm also quite extraordinary in appearance. He revealed that his name was Paolo. He'd been here for some time. He invited us to eat with him and shared his story with us. We ate odd, brightly colored fruits, juicier and sweeter than anything I'd eaten before. He grew them here. He'd found the space station almost by accident and been welcomed aboard by the same open door. He'd been living there about five years now by his reckoning. Before, he'd been a drifter, traveling aimlessly from place to place. He'd done odd jobs, but never found somewhere he wanted to stay until he wound up here. We decided to journey onwards into the space station to try and find out a little more about the beings who built it. Paolo let us go with a smile, telling us he'd be here when we got back. And then he went back to sleep, content. The space station itself was circling the star in a steady orbit. Whoever had designed it was clearly advanced. The orbit was well-defined and unlikely to decay any time before the star did. The lack of intelligent life was... perplexing. The part of the station we'd landed in was segmented into spaces, floor upon floor held up with columns and continuing high into the night. If it could be called that. The darkness above. Paolo had told us that day and night were simulated here. He wasn't sure if the station had done that for him, or whether it was already in that cycle when he landed. As we traveled upwards, I started to pick up strange signals, almost on the edge of my sensory processing limits. There was something biological, not digital here, but I could hear it murmuring. It could sense where we walked. It was watching us. I could feel it too. It wasn't waiting to pounce, it was just keeping an eye on us, interested in what we were doing. There weren't cameras, no monitoring equipment, just a slight echo on the edge of my senses. After a while, we turned back. Not much seemed to change as we climbed. The temperature and climate remained the same, despite the height. That's not normal, is it, computer? No, it's not. Paolo seemed pleased to see us when we returned. He'd been lounging in a hammock, his eyes closed, snoring gently. <laughs> Above him, light ferns moved gently with each breath. He helped to load our ship up with supplies. It's going to be a bit of a long, winding journey, but now we have a steady supply of food and fuel, I'm less worried. He also had a rough map. It seemed that he'd come here the long way round, not traveling by wormhole as we had. And now we had a set of locations we could travel between so we could fuel up and finally, finally make it to Gontano. The fuel came from the tank of his own ship. I asked him if he wanted to leave, if he wanted help or to come with us somehow. But he just smiled. He didn't want to leave. While he sometimes missed the sound of voices, there was something about the space station that compelled him to stay. Like the place needed him as much as he needed it. Maybe he's not alone after all. <laughs> Have you finished analyzing the food? Is it all right? Yes, it's completely fine for long-term consumption. It's highly nutritionally balanced, in fact. A little heavy on the sugar, but not too bad. I wouldn't be surprised if it was artificially created. I suppose that makes sense. What? 
Alongside the food analysis, I took some soil samples. And look, when they're magnified... What are those threads? It's a mycelium network. The whole station must be full of them, connecting every tree and piece of plant life there. What if that's what happened to all the people? What if, over time, they all just became interlinked? So they didn't need their bodies anymore. They just became a vast, quiet network, just watching over it all, letting their garden grow and flourish. A species in retirement. Maybe. Anyway, diary, what that means is we're back on the road. We're on our way to our next stop. I'll do another entry when we get close. Bye! of Marilyn's Diary, A Long Journey Home. Marilyn was played by Francesca Mintov-Chish and Computer was played by James Carney. The programme was written by Beth Crane and produced by Headley Knights for Battlebird Productions. We'd like to say a special thanks to Jez S for their support on Patreon. We use the donations we receive from Patreon, Coffee, and PayPal to pay our actors, ourselves and run the show. We are so, so grateful for all that you do for us. If you want to support We Fix Space Junk, visit battlebird.productions or see the show notes. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Cam Kander? Yeah, that was a strange thing. A prolific creator who disappeared suddenly in 2020. Eccentric, weird, inscrutable. Cam Kander was like a 21st century Howard Hughes. Nothing is known. Cam Kander, man, woman, non-binary person, no idea. Cam Kander, an enigma, a cipher, a mystery. Was Kander a genius or insane? Is there a difference? And one day, Cam Kander vanished into thin air. Off the map, off the radar, like Amelia Earhart. From me, BK Will, in conjunction with Trojan Cat Media, a division of Corp. Leave me alone. I don't have anything to say about Cam Kander. Comes a shocking six-part documentary series. Cam Kander is a Rorschach test. It's a MacGuffin stuffed inside a red herring, shoved down a rabbit hole that leads to a blind alley. Cam Cantor is out there, waiting to make their glorious return. Like a cult leader? No, like a messiah. Discover Who is Cam Cantor, a new investigative podcast coming Wednesday, September 1st, wherever you listen to podcasts.